Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Amen. Look at your neighbor, tell them they look good in church and you can be seated in the house. I never met anybody that didn't like being told they look sharp or handsome or otherwise. I want to talk this morning about the thankful life. Thankful from a standpoint of the thankful life literally makes you where you are uh, inconquerable. You cannot be defeated. Thanksgiving is one of the most powerful things that a Christian can decide to do. And that's the critical point. The critical point to living a thankful, undefeated, undefeatable life is deciding to recognize the choice. Number one, if you're taking notes, if you're going to have victory in every area of your life, number one, you have to recognize that there are choices being made all the time. When I grew up, I used to read these books. I'm a big reader, still am today. I was a big reader, still am today. But when I grew up, I used to read these books, and they were called Choose Your Own Adventure Novels. And so the character would be going through something, maybe be going through the woods or something and come to a river, and there would be options. It would say, if you would like to swim across the river, go to page 13. If you would like to build a raft and try to float down the river, go to page 25 or whatever it would be, and it would give you options, but you chose your own adventure. The problem in society today, or one of the great problems in society, is people don't even recognize they are making choices all day long. Everything you do practically is a decision that you make. Now, those decisions can be, uh, uh, they can be shoved in one direction. They could be urged uh, in one direction or another. But we are making series after series of decisions. And when we make those decisions, those decisions have consequences. Consequences can be good. Consequences can be bad. Or consequences can be somewhere in between. But when we recognize the fact that we are, in fact, making decisions, decisions on a very consistent basis, then all of a sudden we have the opportunity to do something about it. In other words, if you've spent your life saying, you know what, I have a temper and that's just the way I am, that's the way my grandpa was, that's the way my dad was, that's the way I am, that's the way my mom was, that's the way my grandma was, that's the way I am. If you've spent your life deciding that you having a temper tantrum is not you making a decision, then you have spent your life, maybe unintentionally, but you have spent your life being dishonest to yourself because the first thing you have to recognize is at some point it was a decision or some decisions that took you to the place that made you decide to do what you were going to do. Somebody say amen. amen. That means the first step, if we're going to live the life and live an undefeated life, is we have to recognize that we're making decisions. Well, how does this work? Well, we make the decisions like we drive our car. 
If you drive your car and you get on the road and you set your cruise control and you begin to go, you cannot take your hand off the wheel or you will uh, do one of two things. You will either end up on the ditch on one side or you'll end up in oncoming traffic on the other side. In other words, what's actually the way to do it, the way to drive effectively, is to consistently make minor adjustments that keeps you between the two lines that you should be between. In other words, I'm making small choices on a very consistent basis that are keeping me headed in the direction that I should go. In other words, I am pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ, but I am making a series of small corrections along the way which make it where I only have to make a handful of large corrections. But if you spend your life uh, uh, constantly pulling yourself out of the ditch or turning yourself out of the ditch or otherwise, it doesn't mean that it, it can't ever happen. But most of the time, it means it is because a series of small corrections were not made. In other words, if we're going to live the undefeated life, number one, we have to recognize it's a choice. You didn't get mad just because someplace down the line you made the decision to get angry. Someplace down the line you made the decision to be sarcastic to your family. Someplace down the line, you made the decision to decide to put more faith in what somebody said that is contrary to the word of God than what the Bible actually says about your situation. At some point, there was a decision made. Now, for some of you today, I can tell we're pulling the, the, the curtain back a little bit and you're going, wait a minute, I, I, think, he, I think he's been watching me. I haven't been watching anybody. I, I've been looking in the mirror most of the time, praise the Lord. But at the end of all of it, it comes to a place where we have to get through our own head that we have to recognize that life is a series of choices. And when we begin to make the choices that line up with God's word, we begin to see our life line up with God's word. Number two, well, number one, you have to recognize that it's a choice. Number two, this is kind of a cuss word. I'm not sure I can say it in church, but I'm going to say it anyway. We have to take responsibility. (laughs) People don't talk about that much anymore. We have to take responsibility. If you come on staff at this church, we have a a handful of guidelines that we live by. One of them is this. We give credit and we take responsibility. In other words, if something's wrong, it's not your fault, it's my fault. If something goes good, you did great and I was just here. We give credit, but we take responsibility. In our life, oftentimes we hear things like this. They made me do this. When the truth of the matter is, nobody grabbed your vocal cords and made them talk. You said what you said, and regardless of how inflamed you were in that moment, you at some point made the decision to do it. Now, it could have been a series of little small decisions or it could have been, that's it. Uh, Popeye used to say it like this. He says, I've stands all I can stands. I can't stands no more. And you may have grabbed your spinach and eaten it and decided you wanted to, you know, do whatever you were going to do. 
But at the end of all of it, it is a decision. And if we as believers do not take responsibility for our actions, the only thing happening is the devil's laughing at us and we're missing out on the abundant life that God's planned for us. Because it's a series of decisions. The book of Proverbs, verse number 29, uh, 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 chapter 29, verse 11 says, Fools give full vent to their rage. One translation says, Fools give full vent. Meaning, a fool just, just spits off at the mouth all the time. Oh, well, you don't understand what they said to me. I don't even care what they said to you. But my mom said this about me. My dad said this about me. You are not your mom and you are not your dad. And whatever they said to you, some, somewhere down the line, you had to make a decision to do or say what you said or did. And the longer you refuse to take responsibility for your actions is the longer you're going to be a puppet to your own emotions. But God never made you to be a puppet to your own emotions. God says you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Therefore, just because somebody did something to you, that does not excuse us or give us the right to decide to spit evil for evil. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you just one one quick way to kind of help remedy some of this. You begin to get yourself some praise phrases. Praise phrases, this, this is how I grew up, they used to tell us to do this. You get yourself some praise phrases. When you feel like saying something else, you say something like this. Well, praise the Lord anyway. Well, glory to God. Well, why do you say that so much? It keeps me from cussing you out. Well, glory to God. Now y'all gonna know what I'm really thinking. I'm gonna say praise the Lord. They'll be like, well. You say, well, you don't know how I feel. I didn't ask how you feel. It doesn't have anything to do with how you feel. And if, if you, it, it, some, this might be news to you, but we don't live by how we feel. We live by faith. Yes. Let me rephrase that. We're supposed to live by faith. We're supposed to live more based off what we don't see, feel, and touch than what, what, what we actually do see, feel, and touch. So what happens is you begin to change your confession. You begin to change what comes out of your mouth and then you begin to see your entire life begin to shift and everything begins to move. But the first step is you have to recognize it's choice. When you got angry, when you smarted off to your spouse, when you smarted off to your children, when you decided to do that, that was a decision that you made. Nobody made you do anything. So first thing we have to recognize is a choice. Number two, we've got to take responsibility for it. I'm going to teach a series in 2018. I was talking to Crystal this morning. I believe it's going to be one of the most important series that we do next year. But I'm going to talk about how to raise successful children in the modern era. How to raise successful children. And the Bible says, raise a child in the way they should go so that when they get older, they won't depart from it. So let me just give you a couple things. One, you, you have to do it on purpose. It doesn't just happen with kids. It used to, there was, there was more things that were trying to help kids go in a direction of, of, of uprightness and just kind of right is right and wrong is wrong. Now it's exactly the opposite. Everything is trying to teach them that wrong is right. And if you say, well, that's crazy. Well, the Bible predicted this was coming. We're just here now. So we have to teach them so it has to happen on purpose, just like your car. And if you'll spend your life making the minor corrections 
and the minor adjustments, you'll only have to make the big adjustments occasionally. But if you take your hands off the wheel, and you can try this in your car if you're brave, you can, if you take your hands off the wheel even for 30 seconds before it's over, you'll have to make a large correction which, which disrupts everything you have going on in the vehicle and it gets you off course and you won't arrive where you're supposed to be in the time that you're supposed to get there. Raising children is a series of small corrections. Another key to raising successful kids is you never say something to them, especially in the heat of the, of the moment, that is not for their benefit. It may feel real good to spout off at them, but the Bible is true in every direction. And you will reap whatever you sow. So if you decide to be sarcastic and smart aleck to your kids when they turn five or six years old and they begin to get a good understanding of how to talk, they will begin to become smart aleck and sarcastic to you and then you in turn get offended and don't understand why don't they respect me, why don't they do it? You're just reaping what you sowed. Amen or oh me? But this is how you raise successful, godly children in the modern age. It's no different than it was then. We just have more games and stuff that they have now. It's all the exact same philosophies. We just have to apply them in the modern era. But these little minor adjustments is how we, is how we make arrangements to make sure that our children are consistently pointed in the right direction consistently directed in the way that they should go. The other thing, and, and, and I'm going to get to all of this, uh, uh, it's going to be a, a great series, but consistency is the absolute key with your kids, with your grandkids. Who in here has kids? Just wave at me. Who has grandkids? Just wave at me. Consistency. You got to be the same at home as you are outside your home. And that doesn't mean that, that there's not, you know, there, let me just say this. I, I don't walk around in a, in a sports coat and, and shiny shoes at home. So they're going to see different sides of mom and dad at home than they see, but they've got to see consistency. Amen. When all hell breaks loose, they can't see your teeth chattering. Oh, no, Jesus fell off the throne. It has to be the exact opposite. When all hell breaks loose in your life and their life and your life, it's got to be our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above more than you ask or think. Now, your mind is going to be going, oh my gosh, but your mouth better be saying what the book says. And what happens, see, because the, the lie of the devil is he'll make you think you're the only one that feels scared. We all feel scared. We're all concerned. We, we put our kids and we, we hand them to somebody for eight hours a day in hopes that they won't be, have something happen. We're all scared. The difference is we're not living by how we feel. We're living by faith. When we pray for our kids, come on, give God a hand of praise. When we pray for our kids, we're not praying, we're not praying just, just uh, like it's some kind of thing that we've decided to rehearse. We're praying because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is constantly looking over his word to perform it. So when we raise our kids, we have to be consistent. 
That doesn't mean that we don't miss the mark. Kids are like Rubbermaid, man. They bounce back like crazy. They don't, you don't have to always get it right. But listen, the other thing they need to see is they need to see parents that will repent. If you miss the mark, it's, it's not going to make you look weaker to apologize. It will make you 10 times stronger. You say, well, you don't have to apologize to your six-month-old. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't hear you crying in there. Praise the Lord. But you live that consistent life. And then all of a sudden, you start to see, and they start to do more than you could ever do. And then here's the thing. You remember, you remember 1 Corinthians 13? It says all that love is. One of the things is love is not envious. Moms and dads, we don't look at the giftings in our kids and act like if their gift shines bright that we will look dim. Exactly the opposite. We just say, oh, no, you shine, baby. Because the Bible says that our latter, our future will be greater than our present. If we're going to raise successful kids, we've got to do it God's way. Kids... This is, going to be a good, this is going to be a good one for you, especially you teenagers. Did you know that you can have an effect on your home too? It shouldn't be a shock to you that your mom wants you to clean your room. And all the moms said, well, I'll be a kid, you know, while I'm a kid. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible doesn't say anything about training a kid to be a kid. It talks about training them in the way they should go. So that when they get older, they won't depart from it. You don't have to teach a kid to be a child anymore. You have to teach a bird to fly. They just fly. But what happens is when, when we begin to teach them the way they should go. Now, kids, you guys, when you get a little older, you become a teenager, you begin to look at things. You begin to go, oh, man, would you look at that? The trash can is pouring out over into the kitchen floor. What should I do about it? You can have an effect on your whole house. Mom, thank you for fixing dinner. Now, when mom gets up off the floor because you've been so kind, <laughs> you can change your whole atmosphere. How are we doing this? We're taking responsibility. We should never say to our family something that we would not say to the waitress at Denny's. Most people are kinder to people that they've never met than they are to their own family. Because most people, not you, most people take for granted what God has blessed them with. One of the encounters we had on vacation, this man comes up and he sees our kids and he just starts crying. Gets real emotional, tears in his eyes. He said, can I hug your children? I said, yeah, hug my children. He's hugging the kids. He said, this boy. I said, yeah, they're all great. He said, this boy. He said, no. He said, you don't understand. He said, he said, I had a son, and at eight years old, he ran out in traffic in front of me, and I carried his lifeless body out of the street. You see, most people don't appreciate what they have until it's gone, but we're not most people. We're not most people. No, we appreciate what, you know, I, because of what I do, because of what I do, I, uh, I talk to people in every season of their life, 
You know, somebody's getting married, you know, you couldn't be happier. You know, when, when then, then you have an unexpected death and, you know, it's, it's very difficult sometimes. But the people that have the hardest time in that grieving process is the people that never said what they wanted to say while they were here. They never said it. We'll say, well, my daddy never told me he loved me and I turned out fine. Number one, you didn't turn out fine. You're messed up, okay? Number two, you don't want to wait until it's too late to have something said. What does this have to do with being thankful? Thanksgiving is the only thing that has to be given that cannot be taken. I can't make you be thankful. But you can give thanks. I can't make you be thankful. But you can give thanks. You see, what happens in our life when we begin to take responsibility, then we begin to change. We begin to make a shift. We begin to uh, make, a, make a, a turn in our life. Number three, you have to renew your mind. You have to renew your mind. You have to change everything about how you think if it doesn't line up with God's word. I don't know all the areas that Crystal and I have got it right, but I'll tell you one where we got it right. Before we got married, we covenanted together, which just means agreed, that we would not have opinions, but rather we would find out what the Word of God said about a situation, and then that would become our opinion. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, do you like chocolate better, vanilla better, or whatever. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm talking about right and wrong. We do not use the Bible to try to fulfill our position that we've already decided, we use the Bible to determine our position. Does that make sense? So if the Bible says uh, that, that something is correct, then we believe it's correct. If the Bible says something is incorrect, we believe it's incorrect. If the Bible says something and we don't even know what it says yet, we already believe what the Bible says, even if we don't know what the Bible says about that situation, and then we find what the Bible says about that situation. And then that becomes our position. Because when you renew your mind, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. That means if you can renew your mind, you can change every single thing about your life. The problem is, we don't all renew our mind at the same time and at the same pace. So if you decide to make the decision to change, you can't look at everybody else and, and decide that how you change is predicated on whether or not they change with you. Have you ever noticed the minute you decide to go on a diet, you got like 17 birthday parties to go to? <laughs> the moment you go on a diet, somebody's going to walk up and hand you a Spoons gift card. Because everybody's not on your track. Everybody's not changing when you're changing, why you're changing, or how you're changing. So what we have to do is, number one, we have to recognize that our life is filled with choices. Number two, we have to take responsibility for them. And number three, we have to renew our own mind and quit trying to renew everybody else's. Yikes. <laughs> 
That means when you decide I'm not going to be sarcastic anymore, just get ready because sarcastic Sam is going to show up at your doorstep and he's going to be smarting off to you for 12 hours straight. And you're going to be like, what do you do? Well, glory to God, praise the Lord. You begin to make a shift in your life. You begin to renew your mind. You say, well, I don't know everything about it, but I know whatever the Bible says is true. So I'm not going to say anymore that I can't do something because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not going to say what the Bible says and then act a different way. I'm going to say what the Word says and I'm going to not just be a hearer of what it says, but I'm going to be a doer of what it says and I'm going to renew my mind in the process. And while I renew my mind, now I get to the place where I never lose. Never lose. I'm talking never lose. I'm talking Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faith where you stare at the fiery furnace and you say, my God can deliver me and He will deliver me. But if He does not, I don't bow to you. I'm talking about a life where you don't lose. You don't lose your hope. You don't lose your faith. You don't lose your joy. All of a sudden, you could be going through hell in a handbasket and everything around you is just breaking into pieces and you're still finding something to be thankful for because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who started a good work in you, the Bible says that He will complete that work in Jesus' name. I'm talking about undefeatable. You can't be defeated. If it looks like you're losing, that just means it's not over yet. Because my Bible says that now, thanks be unto God, which always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. So when do you relinquish victory? I never relinquish victory. We came in this thing to win this thing. Why? Because heaven and hell is on the line. Whether you know it or not, or whether you like it or not, if you said yes to Jesus Christ, everybody's looking at you. Look at your neighbor, just be like, they're looking at you. (laughs) Everybody's looking at you. How are they going to handle it? And if we handle situations the way the world handles situations, how will they know we have the answer? How will they know? We renew our mind. We begin to make a shift. We begin to change how we think. The Bible says when we renew our mind that we become transformed. That word in the original Greek is actually the word metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis, like a caterpillar metamorphosizes into a butterfly. You become something different. He said, well, you don't understand, you know, my dad had a temper, my grandpa had a temper, my great-great-grandpa had a temper, everybody had a temper. Well, thank God you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Number one, we're going to recognize choices. Number two, we're going to take responsibility. Number three, we're going to renew our mind. Now, you're already doing that. It's Sunday morning, you could have been anywhere You're in the house of God, renewing your mind even now. But what happens when you begin to make this shift? Sometimes it's quick. Sometimes it's subtle. But the key is never deciding it's okay to quit. 
I've never met one person that said, I'm so glad I ran away from God. I've met dozens that cried their eyes out and say, I can look back now, even when I turned from God and see how he was protecting me and holding me. But the key is recognizing we are making decisions. We have to take responsibility. Then we have to renew our mind. And lastly, and maybe the most important thing is, when do I start and how do I start? You start right now. You have to start somewhere. And we all don't start in the same place. But if your household is filled with people speaking harshly to one another. If you don't hear anything else I'm saying this morning, hear this preacher. It doesn't have to be that way. Dad, take responsibility for your house and decide even if she cusses you out, you're going to do what the Bible says and you're going to love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church and you're not going to return spite for spite ma'am same scenario take responsibility for your home begin to speak kind words believe it or not please and thank yous still go long distances in families the minute you decide to just go you know what I'm going to figure out I'm going to I'm going to find three things to be thankful for about my spouse today and I'm going to tell them about it. I'm going to tell them about it because you don't want to do it when it's too late. I'm going to find three things to be thankful about my children and I'm going to tell them about it. I'm going to tell them I'm thankful because of this, because of this, and because of this. And then what will happen might not happen overnight, might not happen the same day. But you just wait. It will boomerang back to you and all of a sudden your kids will walk in and go, Mom, I wrote down some stuff about what I'm thankful for you about. You're going to be like, what? It's because you begin to sow and then you begin to reap. And everything begins to shift. And I feel like this almost sounds like a fairy tale. Like the possibility. But it's really not. This is the life designed for Christians. For Christ ones. The problem is, so often times we take our hand off the wheel. And then it goes in the ditch and we're spending all of our time jacking the car up out of the ditch, trying to call a wrecker to pull it out, trying to figure out what to happen when all you had to do was just make a series of little small adjustments, little small corrections, little small ideologies, little small ideology changes. And before you know it, you begin to think differently. And when you think differently, you become different. And when you become different, it begins to pour out on everybody around you. Because when we decide to do it God's way, now all of a sudden, everything in our life begins to shift. Give God a big hand of praise. Let's all stand to our feet.
You got homework. Even if you've been married. John, how long y'all been married? 46 years they've been married, y'all. They're more in love now than they were 46 years ago. I guess she sees something in you that we don't see, John. (laughs) Even if you've been married 46 years, you find something to be thankful for and you tell them, when you do just that little small adjustment begins to have monumental effects kids the Bible says it in the old terminology it's honor your father and mother it's the first commandment that has a promise associated with it it's honor your father and mother it literally says you do that and you'll have a long life even if your parents, if you're grown. So you don't understand my parents don't believe like I believe. You can still honor them. You can still love them. I could tell you story after story of, of men and women of God that I know of whose parents were the worst of the worst of the worst. But then they just decided, you know what, I'm just going to honor them. And they had the great privilege of leading their parents to the Lord before they died. Story after story, just like that. Because of little shifts, little turns. Let's all bow our head, close our eyes. If you're here today, you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life. Maybe you'd say it differently. You'd say, you know what, preacher? I'm backslidden. I'm away from God. I used to know him, but I'm away from him. If that's you, and I count to three, if you want to recommit your life or give your life to Jesus today, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three, lift your hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? I'm about to pray in just a moment. Don't miss this. Tall and bold. I see that hand. Everybody lift one hand to heaven. Let's pray this. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I'm a Christian on my way to heaven. Help me, God, to make good decisions, to recognize them, to take responsibility, to renew my mind and see you move mightily in my life. Amen, amen. Praise God ask one more question then we're going to dismiss if you're here today and you've never joined our church listen the spirit of God is here we exist to love people and point them to Christ we need your help because we're trying to reach everybody in this region with the good news of the gospel of Jesus if you've never joined this church we have membership classes but sometimes they're hard to get to because of scheduling the Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord they flourish in God everything that grows first has to be planted. So if that's you and you're not, you've never joined our church, but you know this is the place for you. You can feel it in your heart. You sense the presence of God, especially those who gave their heart to God today. You need a good church. If that's you and you've never joined a church, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front, but you know this is the place for you. When I count to three, just lift one hand real high and let us celebrate that decision. Who wants to join the church? One, two, three, lift it up tall. 
I see that hand. Come on, clap, guys. Praise God. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Anybody else? I'm going to pray a blessing over you guys, but do this for me. Even if you filled that card out a hundred times, stop by the tent, fill it out one more time. Just mark on there you want to be a member, and we're going to make sure and send you all the information related to that. But give them one more hand, y'all. Let's all lift our hands. Father, for those who are joining the church today, your Bible says they become a partaker of every grace that's on this house. I thank you that the grace of peace and mercy, joy and increase is on their house. I thank you that they are planted now and have the opportunity for great growth. For every person under the sound of my voice, I pray that you would bless them coming in, bless them going out, bless them in the city and bless them in the field. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.